The Graphic Histories Podcast. Welcome back to the Graphic Histories Podcast. My name is Andre Mayette and I'm your host. And thank you once again to Ookla the Mock for providing our theme song, Superpowers. Still digging that song. I know I say it every week, but I continue to love it. And I hope you love it as much as I do. So how are you? How's your week going? What is new, exciting? Whatever you're doing, I hope it's wonderful. I hope the fact that uh, in Nova Scotia anyway, that some of the restrictions have been lifted, allowing for groups, gatherings of up to 10 people without social distancing, which is very nice. My wife and uh, some of her friends attended a baby shower for one of her good friends. And uh, the husbands, boyfriends, other general men in the area that were friends of mine uh, came by and had a little barbecue at the time. So it was a very nice change of pace. It was nice to see them in the flesh instead of just, you know, over Zoom chats and and playing games online with them. So it was cool to to get some of that human interaction. Apparently studies show that uh, people can go a bit crazy without actually interacting directly with other human beings. Some kind of... um, like a skin-to-skin touch thing, like whether it be a handshake, uh, a hug, uh, anything more physical beyond that. Apparently, humans have an innate desire and can go a little crazy when they don't have that. Speaking of crazy, tonight's, uh, or today, whatever time you're listening to this subject, is the Batman Who Laughs, which is a very interesting character. Um, The DC Universe is a very complex thing, which I will explain during the actual episode when I discuss the Batman Who Laughs. It is not just a universe, it is a multiverse. There are a ridiculous amount of parallel universes uh, containing characters that are opposites, the same but slightly different, variations thereof of the heroes we know and love as well as other heroes that exist solely within their own alternate universes within the DC Universe. It's quite complex, uh, often very confusing, and I try my best to keep it straight for you, the listener. Hopefully I'm able to do so while discussing such events as the Batman Who Laughs and the Dark Knights and Death Metal, which is the new one coming out. Uh, the Dark Metal, I believe, was the previous one, which discuss later. So, yes, it can be a complex and confusing time to, uh, to discuss the DC Universe, especially with their constantly shifting continuity. But I do my best, and I hope that you, gentle listener, are enjoying the experience so far. I know I am. Next week, we return, We well, we don't return, but we have another one of our special featured interview segments, which I really, really enjoy a lot. I don't know if I mentioned that before. I'm sure I have, but they're a ridiculous amount of fun. I love engaging with people, talking, getting to the root of their creativity, of, of who they are as people, and their connections to the comic book world. So in the past, I've had uh, Marvel Comics writer Ed Brisson and uh, indie comics creator Andrew Clark. And in the upcoming episode, we will have Brenda Little, who is a artist on uh, on the My Little Pony comic book and uh, several other creator-owned things. She's fantastic. Uh, she's a good friend. Her and her husband live in PEI, which is a province 
very close to mine, but I happen to run into them at a lot of events. Usually we have dinner, just nerd out and have a lot of fun. So I'm very excited to talk to her, and I think you will enjoy listening to it as well because she's a very cool person, very interesting person, and I'm sure she has a story to tell. Uh, as far as the comics world go, uh, we lost Denny O'Neill last week, a very famous comic writer, um, created some of the greatest stories in Green Arrow, Green Lantern, Batman, Dead Man, lots of really amazing things through the years. A sad day to uh, to have lost him. I mean, he does. He was a, a driving force in comics, creating some of the best Batman stories you ever read. And uh, it's sad that he's gone, but he leaves behind an amazing legacy of graphic novels, of comics, of art, of writing, of creativity. And the world is a little dimmer without him in it for sure. Another exciting thing that has hit the comic book news has been the uh, announcement that Michael Keaton is in negotiations to return as Batman in the DC Comics uh, DC Comics universe, uh, their online cinematic universe, the DC movie-verse, I guess. Uh, Flash movie starring Ezra Miller that they will be uh, broaching most likely the Flashpoint storyline from comics in which the Flash goes back in time to save his mother from dying and in doing so drastically alters the timeline and changes the future in ways he couldn't possibly imagine. Um, and, uh, you know, various Batmans from multi alternate universes and such are involved uh, and other things too. So it looks like DC is leaning hard into their multiple universe, parallel universe thing. Uh, I know they had Ezra Miller show up on the Flash uh, TV show as well, playing the Flash from an alternate universe. So it's pretty neat that they are kind of leaning into that and kind of going in a way Marvel isn't, because Marvel doesn't really have all these different parallel universes that they drop into a lot in the comics, only, you know, specialized areas here and there. But it's uh, cool that DC is kind of celebrating that kind of confusing and mixed history and allowing, using it to kind of bring back heroes that we've met before in new and exciting ways. I really, really hope that this might be a way of, of leaning into a Batman Beyond live-action movie. I've been saying it for a long time that all the pieces are there to do it. Uh, we have an older Batman and Michael Keaton, who's a fantastic actor and, and looks the part from the animated show. Um, you can get a, another great actor to play the Terry McGinnis of that world and do a live-action Batman Beyond. It is a no-brainer to me. I feel like it would be a huge thing for comic fans, for people of my age to watch Batman Beyond growing up and have nostalgia for that show. I think it would be fantastic, and I really hope that this is the first steps towards that. So if you're listening, DC, which I'm sure you are, please, please make a live-action Batman Beyond film a reality. It would make me ever so happy. Alrighty, so let's jump into the episode 9 of the Graphic Histories Podcast, where we discuss the Batman who laughs. The DC Universe isn't just that, a universe. In fact, it's a multiverse, with a diverse range of alternate realities and differing versions of your favorite heroes and villains. Each of the 52 known realities has its own mirror universe, where things take a dark and twisted turn for the worse. These negative 52 dimensions are known as the Dark Multiverse. Our story begins on Earth-22, where we step into a familiar story. 
A young Bruce Wayne sees his parents murdered by a thug in an alley and vows to create a world where another child will never lose their parents in such a way again. Training his whole life and adopting the mantle of Batman, he wages war on Gotham's criminal element. This story may start the same as the Batman we all know and love, but here is where Earth-22 differs from the prime Earth of our Bruce Wayne. After the Joker discovered he was dying, slowly wasting away from the same chemicals that altered his mind and his appearance, he decided to go out with the proverbial bang. Orchestrating a killing spree across Gotham City, he quickly dispatched many of Batman's villains and allies, including Penguin, Catwoman, Killer Croc, the Ventriloquist, and Commissioner Jim Gordon. The masterstroke of his citywide suicide note was drugging Bruce Wayne into a paralytic state, allowing the Dark Knight to witness a range of atrocities without being able to stop them. This included blowing up a hospital and shooting many parents dead in front of their crying children. After the traumatized orphans saw pure evil up close and personal, they were injected with the Clown Prince of Crime's Joker toxin, laughing themselves into a stupor. Enraged at the scene occurring before his eyes, Batman managed to struggle out of the effects of his condition and snap the Joker's neck. Unbeknownst to Bruce, the Joker had one last trick up his sleeve, a poison that would be released upon his death within his final breath, a poison that Bruce would be exposed to and change his life forever. Concerned about his friends, Superman contacted Batman to discuss what had occurred. Reassuring his ally that he would not kill again, he confided in Clark Kent that he felt no guilt for what he had done, knowing that the world was safer without the Joker in it. Clark accepted the statement and vowed to use Star Labs and Metropolis to help cure the orphan children, still infected with the laughing poison. Soon after, the Bat family made up of Batgirl, Nightwing, Red Hood, and Red Robin all noticed that Bruce's behavior was changing into something that frightened them. Bringing their fears to the Dark Knight, he informed them that he didn't need their help and proceeded to fatally shoot them all. He then corrupted his son Damian Wayne with Joker Venom and retrieved the infected children from Star Labs, creating an army of deranged pet robins. The final stage of his transformation was complete when he turned his evil machinations toward the Justice League, using a stockpile of weapons that were confiscated from villains to end each of their lives. Saving Superman for last, he cornered him in the Justice League watchtower, using kryptonite gas and revealing Clark's wife Lois and son John. Bruce then demanded that Clark lie to his family and tell them everything would be alright. Refusing to give in to the madman's whim, the Batman who laughs used black kryptonite to drive father and son insane, ripping Lois apart before dying themselves. With a dangerous new enemy threatening their world, Earth-22 tried to rise against Batman's terrorism. With his amazing military mind still partially intact, Bruce wiped them all out, until his Robins were all that remained save his butler, Alfred. Sadly, Alfred was the closest to defeating his former charge, rigging the Batcave and equipment to explode. In a tragic turn of events, the only way Bruce was able to survive was convincing Mr. Pennyworth that there was still some spark of humanity left in him. The brief moment of doubt gave Batman all he needed to capture his former butler and imprison him in the subcaverns of the Batcave, slowly driving him insane until he returned to servitude, a broken man. As his world began to die, an interdimensional destroyer named Barbados arrived, revealing to Bruce that his world was a part of a dark multiverse, and that with his help, he intended to drag the true multiverse into darkness and despair as well. Accepting this charge, Bruce went out into the dark multiverse to create an army loyal to his new master. He would in turn visit other deranged versions of Bruce Wayne before their universes were winked out of existence, and convince them to join him and spread their own twisted versions of justice to other worlds, worlds that they would control. 
With untold horrors under his command, the Batman who laughs would descend upon Earth Prime, home to our Justice League. After assuming command of the Justice League's watchtower, each dark night was given control of a city on Earth, with our subject enslaving Gotham City, until Barbados would be able to complete his plan. Once in Gotham, Bruce would cause a breakout at Arkham, giving many of our Batman's villains playing cards made from a corrupted metal that would allow them to partially manipulate reality. The Riddler, Poison Ivy, Firefly, Bane, Mr. Freeze, and Mad Hatter would then rule over a section of the city surrounding the Batman Who Laughs stronghold in the city center. The insane Bruce Wayne, yeah, see what I did there, was able to see the carnage ensue from his mountaintop, viewing each villain's actions with the reality warping powers of his cards. Eventually, the Teen Titans, Green Arrow, Nightwing, and the Suicide Squad teamed up to form a sort of Gotham resistance to take down Batman's reality-bent villains. During their insurgence, Earth-22's Robin was killed, resulting in no reaction from his father. Instead, he continued to watch his army terrorize Earth Prime until he was confronted by Cyborg. When Vic Stone seemed to gain an upper hand, Bruce revealed he had access to a cosmic weapon that would wipe out all multiverses and end reality itself. The Justice League and various heroes from the multiverse would arrive along with our Batman, who would do something out of the ordinary. Realizing that Earth-22 Bruce Wayne could anticipate his every move, he would have to do something truly unpredictable. The thing would be to team up with the Joker. In a battle for the ages, Earth Prime's Batman managed to stop his evil counterpart's doomsday weapon and collapse him and the Joker in a cave-in. With Gotham freed, the heroes managed to stop Barbados and end the insurrection against their world. Surviving the cave-in, the Batman who laughs would resurface in Gotham, recruiting another Batman from the dark multiverse known as the Grim Knight, a Bruce Wayne that used an arsenal of weapons to distribute justice as judge, jury, and executioner. The two would work on creating a deadly serum from the corpses of alternate reality Bruce Waynes. Needing the Joker for their plan, the nefarious team would invade Arkham, only to discover the Earth Prime Joker had escaped, running to Batman for protection. Bruce would agree to protect the Joker, only for the Clown Prince of Crime to attempt to kill himself, activating the same failsafe Earth-22's Joker had and infecting Batman with the same toxin that turned his counterpart insane. The Batman who laughs would then kidnap Commissioner Gordon and attempt to partner with the indisposed lawman. While plaguing our Batman for a while, the two would eventually come face to face with the Batman who laughs, realizing our Batman was becoming like him. Thinking this would be the final ingredient in his doomsday serum, he would attempt to take the blood of the Dark Knight. With the intervention of Alfred and a young Bruce Wayne from the multiverse, Prime Earth Batman was saved, and the Batman Who Laughs was beaten severely, finally being imprisoned in the Justice League's headquarters. Before his capture, however, in true Batman fashion, the Batman of Earth-22 created a contingency plan to infect the world with the same poison that created him. He targeted members of the Justice League with toxin-tipped batarangs, turning Shazam, Hawkman, Donna Troy, and Blue Beetle to his dark cause. He also infected Jim Gordon, and directed Shazam to corrupt Superman as well. Not long after Shazam left, Superman arrived, seemingly under the influence of injected madness. He broke the Batman who laughs out of his cell, asking for the next stage in their plan. Once the Darkest Knight revealed his endgame, Superman disclosed to only be pretending to be under mind control, and that they used an illusion to make the villain think he had escaped. Using the knowledge they now had, our Batman and Superman would track down this secret six and cure them of their conditions. While Superman and Batman were preoccupied, Earth-22's Bruce Wayne would escape and usurp Lex Luthor from a position of authority under Perpetua, a cosmic god with evil intentions for the multiverse. As her second-in-command, it is assured that the Batman who laughs 
has even darker designs than ever before for the heroes of Earth Prime and the multiverse itself. There you have it, a short one, but a good one, I think. Uh, certainly a very interesting character and one of the newer additions to Batman's Rogue Gallery. I would say the Batman Who Laughs has a long future in the DC Universe, and now you're ready to keep reading about him to learn more and to follow up on this by seeing where his adventures take him. DC Comics has the Dark Knight's, I think it's Death Metal series coming out very soon, if it's not out already, which sort of continues on what was mentioned about when uh, the Batman Who Laughs first made it to the DC Universe, uh, Earth Prime of the DC Universe. So I believe they're continuing on those themes as well with um, with going from there by having some more expanding upon what they've done the first time. So I know those stories are written by Scott Snyder, uh, who I'm a huge fan of, a great, great comic writer. He's done some amazing stuff with Batman, and I'm excited to see what he's going to be doing with uh, with this story as well. So I eagerly await reading that. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I certainly had a lot of fun putting it together, and I look forward to seeing you next week when we return with the interview show, one of our special interview programs this time with uh, my little pony comic artist and uh all around cool person uh, brenda little so i'm looking very forward to speaking with her and i am looking even more forward to being able to bring it here for you to listen to so until next time my name is andre might you've been listening to the graphic histories podcast and i will catch you next time <laughs>